Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans. Welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee. She is Tam. Hey, hey. Hey, Miss Tam. How are you? I'm doing great. We have some special guests on. I'm yes, excited. We yes, we do. I'm not even going to introduce them. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. So, Kenny, go ahead. Hey, how you guys doing? I'm Kenneth Lee, a.k.a. Front Row Kenny on Twitter. Also a host of the Provisional Podcast and been a longtime fan of All Turns No Breaks. Renee and Tam have been nothing but more supportive of me. And I'm just glad to be on the show once again this week. And we have Toby. Yeah, Toby Christie with the Final Lap Weekly uh, Podcast. Uh, you can follow us uh, Facebook.com slash Final Lap and thefinallap.com. Great. So we'd like to start this show, Toby, by giving our weekend rundown. We're going to keep it brief because we know your time is precious. But if you can tell us how your weekend was, what you did, that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I spent the, the whole week over at Texas Moore Speedway. Everything went pretty well. Kind of a subdued race, I guess, <laughs> for most standpoints, <laughs> unless, unless you're Ray Black Jr. But uh, yeah, pretty good weekend. I uh, got to meet up with a bunch of people, listen to our show, and that all went well. And uh, it's a pretty good time. I had a pretty good weekend, caught up, watched both races. I actually got a chance to watch Xfinity and the Cup race. You know what? The Cup race, it was okay. You know, Texas is Texas, another mile and a half or 1.4 mile now with the reconfiguration. I mean, it was it was okay. Nothing really too special. I guess the Harvick pass on Truex is probably like the most exciting thing of the day, honestly. Okay. Was that the most exciting thing of your weekend? Yeah, probably. I didn't do too much. <laughs> I didn't cover any high school football and basketball <laughs> this weekend. So I was really just subdued to NASCAR this weekend. Okay. And Renee, the World Series was over. So how did you ever entertain yourself? I just want to congratulate my Houston Astros for winning the World Series here in La La Land. As you know, we live in Dodgerland here in Southern California. I don't think I slept for over 24 hours because I was so excited. <laughs> you could have swore I played in the World Series. But I just want to congratulate the Houston Astros uh, for winning that. And uh, you know what? How about another congratulations for my Dallas Cowboys for also winning. So in a nutshell, that's my weekend right there. Okay, my weekend was pretty much NASCAR, NASCAR. I spent Saturday writing an article for Beyond the Flag and prepping an article for The Drive. Because if you guys didn't know, I also write for The Drive. I'm a contributor over there as well. And what else did I do aside from watch NASCAR? I don't know. I think that's pretty much it. If you listen to the show, you know, every weekend, I'm almost like Renee in the sense that I party too much and I always forget what I did over the weekend, with the exception is I don't party. So I have no excuse to forget what I did over the weekend. But what I do remember is watching the race at Texas and remembering how I thought it was boring until the last final laps. Toby was actually at the race. So if you want to give us a little rundown of what you thought the race was like, anything special, anything not so special. Yeah, I mean, I thought the I thought the track had a little bit more passing in it than it did the first time around earlier in April, but uh, still not much. It's still pretty close to one groove racetrack, although there were a few guys uh, throughout the day. Chase Elliott, one of them, a couple other guys, Brad Keselowski, who had misfortune on the uh, opening start of the race. Mm -hmm. A few of those guys were able to work their way up through traffic uh, throughout the day, but uh, for the most part, a lot of people were kind of stuck where they were. 
Okay. Well, let me give you guys a recap of the top 10 for our listeners that may have forgotten. And then we will talk about the playoffs and we're going to talk about dark horses because that's why we have Toby on. I, I call Toby on Twitter technical Toby. I was a little embarrassed that he called me out about dark horses. And then our friend, me and Renee's friend, Louis Frank, jumped in and called me out as well. I was mortified. <laughs> but before I tell you why, let me break down the top 10 at Texas. We all know Happy Harvick came in first. So that meant everybody grabbed a blooming onion from what is the place again? Outback. Outback. Renee, were you with me? Was it Daytona when he was at Outback across uh, the street? I, and I yeah, just I happened. Think it was. Okay. So Kevin Harvick came in first. Martin Truex Jr. came in second, and he wasn't too happy about it. Denny Hamlin, third. Matt Kenseth, my man, my quiet assassin, came in fourth. Brad Kozlowski, fifth. Ryan Newman, or was that Ryan Blaney? Excuse me, sixth. We had Joey Logano in seventh. Chase Elliott, eighth. Kurt, as in Kurt Busch, ninth. And Eric Jones in tenth. We had, looks like, six of the playoff drivers all came home with a top 10 finish. The only other two playoff drivers that did not come in top 10 were Kyle Busch and Jimmy Johnson. I don't know how you guys feel. I don't like to count Mr. Seven Time out, but it looks like it may be over for him. But you know what? He may do something in Phoenix. We'll talk about that a little later. Getting to our dark horse. Last week, all of us, as in me, Front Row Kenny mm -hmm. and Renee, chose Jimmy Johnson as our winner. Renee, myself, and Front Row Kenny, we all chose different dark horses. Mm -hmm. And that dark horse that we chose prompted Toby to go in on us, as in he didn't understand why we chose the dark horses we chose. So he copied and pasted the dictionary's definition of a dark horse. And I will tell you, although we can't argue with the dictionary, we argued with the dictionary because <laughs> we kind of felt that it didn't apply to NASCAR. But you know what? I am the first one to admit when I'm wrong, maybe I should never use the term dark horse again. But I'm going to let Toby <laughs> jump in and tell us what he thinks about it. Well, before I tell you what I think, who was everybody's dark horse here? What did you guys have? Oh, I believe mine was uh, Martin Truex Jr. Mm -hmm. Kenny, you remember who yours was? I think mine's was Ryan Blaney, I believe. Yep. And mine was Kyle Busch. Okay. So all three are playoff contenders. Martin Church Jr.'s won uh, six races yep. on mile and a half tracks, which is what mm -hmm. Texas Motor Speedway is. Jimmy or Kyle Busch uh, has two wins at Texas Motor Speedway and actually won the week before in Martinsville and is also in the championship four. So I think that's pretty good reasons why those aren't good picks there mm -hmm. for dark horses. Okay. A dark horse would be like an underdog guy who hasn't quite performed well that you might think has a shot at doing something decent and on a good yeah. day might win a race. If I can jump in, and Kenny, you better back me up on this. <laughs> so the way we look at a dark horse, and even from watching the super professionals do this, whether it's Fox or NBC, we always looked at a dark horse as almost as if it's an alternative pick, meaning that that person, you know, for instance, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, Jimmy was a seven time winner at Texas. So obviously we pick him to win. Our dark horse is somebody who could possibly win, not necessarily that they're an underdog, but that, OK, you know what? It's almost a given that Jimmy Johnson is going to win based on the statistics and his history. But uh, maybe Kyle Busch or maybe Martin Truex Jr. can win. 
Now, clearly, we could be wrong based on the reaction that we got from you as well as Lewis Frank. But for us and just kind of looking at NASCAR in a, in a whole, the only way you could really apply the true definition that you were so kind to share with us from the dictionary is maybe if it's a cold wit, but who's going to pick a cold wit or a Jeffrey Earnhardt as a dark horse? Well, those are, those are severe underdogs. How about like a guy like Chris Buescher who runs 15th mm-hmm. to 20th every now and again? How about some other guys like AJ Allmendinger's had some solid top fives, mm-hmm. top 10s over the years? There's other guys out there that aren't those playoff contenders. Uh, that can get up there and sneak up and win a race. That's a very good point too. And I think where we get into a different mentality of the actual word dark horse and Toby, by the way, just so that you know, I do agree with you in the sense of like what you're saying as far as those are true, like dark horses. And, and you're right. Those names that you just mentioned, like Almondinger, Bush, those guys would definitely be a pick that you would say that that's my dark horse. I think the way that we started the whole terminology using the word dark horse, I mean, now this is just for us, like me and Tam in our podcast. I think it just stems from a lot of the use of the word in use of like other sports, just in general. It's like a term maybe that we definitely didn't maybe take to heart as the actual definition of dark horse. It was more kind of like a lackadaisical type of terminology, I guess, that we were using just just to say, hey, listen, I think Jimmy Johnson's going to win this race, but don't be surprised if Kyle Busch wins that race. If I'm making any sense, I think that's how me and Tam pretty much are using the word dark horse. Does that make any sense? I mean, I guess I still wouldn't consider that a dark horse. I mean, I guess alternative. Well, yeah, the alternative pick. Right. That is uh, correct. Fit a little better. <laughs> what I would have liked to have seen, though, uh, if you guys are going to go that route, is how about this? One of you guys go Jimmy Johnson. One of you go Kyle Busch. One of you go Martin Truex Jr. And then maybe for the overall dark horse pick, Ryan Blaney might have actually qualified decently as a dark horse pick. He's got one career win. Mm-hmm. He's in the playoffs, obviously. But uh, that would have been a decent uh, dark horse pick. So, Kenny, I think you're the one who had that one, right? Yeah, I had Ryan Blaney, but like you, like what you just said, I see what you mean. Like a guy like, um, Chris Busher or AJ Allmendinger, you know, it's just that, you know, like a track like that. The reason why I probably went with Ryan Blaney was because, like you said, you know, he has a win. He had one at Pocono. He did well in the spring at Texas. He did pretty good, won a stage, did fine. And that's why I would pick him because he's not necessarily like one of like my top five guys out of anybody out that field. I would be like, you know what? They can win like out of Truex, Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson, and let's see who else can we throw in here. Um, Kyle Larson, for example, like throw those names like that in there. And then you put his name in, you know, that's kind of where I would lean towards the dark horse. And then it kind of also stems from how they do it on TV. On TV, they'll use people. I've heard them say before at one point, Martin Truex Jr. is a dark horse somewhere or Kyle Busch or something like that, you know, so I guess it's kind of. uh, Yeah, I I mean, I'll say this. If anybody's using Martin Truex Jr. or Kyle Busch at this point as a dark horse. uh, I mean, I I think we can all agree on that. I I definitely agree on that. <laughs> I mean, between, ways, between so. Kyle Bush and Martin Truex Jr., that's what, 12 wins so far yeah, this season? It's probably more than that, I would imagine, yeah. but I think 12 is probably about right. These are two drivers who are just racing on a completely different level than everybody else on that track. I'm just amazed at how Kyle Bush and Martin Truex Jr. Has, have isolated themselves on another level. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, everybody else is, is racing well, but these two guys, they're just on a different planet right now. So let me say this, Toby. I think I have a solution. 
I think with me, I always look at things like, okay, if I'm betting a parlay, sports betting or something like that. So maybe the solution is that we just don't give a dark horse at all. Or we say someone else more likely to win. Yeah, or maybe even give yeah, you a loser. I, I, I was definitely going to say that. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, yeah, we could possibly do that. I will tell you the reason why I came up with that is because I did have two people chime in on Twitter and tell us don't <laughs> yeah, use dark horse. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you saw that. So maybe we'll not use the term dark horse anymore. I mean, because I'm perfectly okay with it. I mean, the thing with NASCAR is it's like we went on a roll last season where both Renee and I did pick a couple of winners in a row. But let's just be honest, picking a winner for a NASCAR race is some serious, okay, I may be able to hit the lottery. You just never know. Would you guys agree or? Oh, oh yeah. Sure. Things, okay. can, things can happen so quick. You just never know. So, like, it could be a great day and even a great place. I remember, like, what was it, two years ago with Jimmy Johnson at Dover. He was facing elimination, and I picked him at Dover because – He's got a lot of success there. And next thing you know, he's right behind the wall with maybe like a few, with just in the first few laps of the race. So mechanical failures can happen, things of that nature. You know, yeah, it's the Larson. nature of racing. And even just like Kyle Larson, what happened to him? Because we thought, you know, he was a surefire pick for Homestead. And, I, and I'm one of those people. I had him in my Homestead picks. And what happened to him is unfortunate and it sucks. But, you know, things happen. This is true. So we know Toby has to run, but before we let you go, we have two important questions for you. Okay. We got to get your predictions. So we want to know who do you think will win in Phoenix? And we also want to know who do you have winning in Homestead? Well, the most intriguing thing, if Jimmy Johnson were to pull off the win, because that would uh, really make things pretty juicy for Homestead. I think that'd be a solid top four, even though Johnson's been out to lunch for a big portion of the season. But that being said, I don't see Jimmy Johnson going on to win this race. I really think it's going to be one of those Team Penske-related cars. So it's going to either be Brad Keselowski or Ryan Blaney, I think, to win Phoenix. And as far as the championship goes, I'd have to go Martin Truex Jr. He's been just unstoppable on mile and a half. So I know he lost to Kevin Harvick in the last few laps uh, this week at Texas, but what I've seen as a whole in every mile and a half racetrack so far this season, I think his average finish is at like a 2.1 or something for the season on mile and a half. I'll have to go Martin Truex Jr. Okay. Well, there you have it. And just to it. let you guys know, I'm not trying to rip into you guys on this dark horse thing either. I just saw it come across <laughs> my feed while I was in the media center, and I was like, wait a minute, that, that is not a dark horse. When Lewis jumped yeah. in, I was like, not my Lewis Frank. He jumped in on it as well. So we talked about yeah, it. Like, and I was like, maybe we're wrong. Like, that's the one thing with us is that we're not afraid to admit when we're wrong. It's just that the definition is one of those things that's up for interpretation. But on that note, really quick, will you be at Miami? I will not uh, with the... Uh Developments in the family oh, yeah. stuff, I don't think I'll be able to make any of that happen. <laughs> oh, because I was going to say, I'll look for you in Miami. Unfortunately, I started the season going to a bunch of races, but it's just been a little crazy for me. I've actually been to IndyCar racing, Formula One. I just haven't gotten back to the NASCAR track. Yeah, and at least about that, two that been like two months, Renee? Yeah. Well, listen, Toby. Yeah, but I'll be in Miami. Yeah, li- so Miami's a, yeah. a really good. Well, hey, race listen, Toby, man. I just want to sure. personally thank you for coming on. Yeah. We always appreciate any guest that we can have on the, on our podcast, and uh, we definitely uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts and giving your predictions as well. And, and thank you, thank you for coming on. Hey, no problem, guys. Anytime, uh, just reach out to me, and that was it was a fun chat for sure. You guys have a good one. Thank you. You too, Bye. man. Bye. 
That was Toby, you guys. I really appreciate Toby jumping in. And I'm really appreciative that he mm-hmm. shared his opinion because we learned something new. Maybe we were the <laughs> laughing stock of NASCAR all this time. In fact, he's <laughs> in the media center when our tweet came across and he was like, wait. So I'm like, hopefully he didn't share that with anybody else. But hey, you know what? In all honesty, I can talk NASCAR with the best of the best of them. So if somebody wants to say something about my interpretation of a dark horse, oh, well, I may not be able to talk technical stuff like aerodynamics. Actually, I can, to be (laughs) honest. Like, let's just keep it 100. How many of those people sitting in the media center? I've done the things that I've done, seen the things. You know what? I've built the engine there you at go. Hendrick Motorsport. Stick your chest you know out, girl. I done, made, I done made some oil. I'm going to stick my chest out. I done made some oil in the there lab at Valvoline. You heard it here That's first. Cool. Okay. I done did some things. But I guess the one thing that I <laughs> didn't do was understand the definition okay. of a dark horse. <laughs> so, Toby, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Louis Frank, thank you, even though I was yeah, like, no, right. oh, Louis, he, he's mad at us. So what we didn't address, we broke down the top 10 at Texas. We talked uh-huh. about the playoff drivers and where they finish. Let's just kind of do a recap of the playoffs. You know, we already know which eight are in. Truex, Kyle, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, and Jimmy are in. But, and when I say Mm -hmm. in, I mean they're in the round of eight. Truex, Bush, and Kevin Harvick have already secured a place in the championship four. If the playoffs started today, Brad Keselowski would be in based on points. Denny Hamlin is not too far behind him, but the reality is, is Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, and Jimmy Johnson, they're done unless they win. Let's just keep it 100. Or unless Brad miraculously doesn't place well at Phoenix. I don't know. We already got Toby's picks, but we're going to have to wait until the end of the show. You guys are going to have to wait until the end of the show until we give you our picks. So on that note, do we yeah, even need to talk I, about I mean, the race? I think we, think we kind of covered, covered that, how you know, we felt about nutshell, it. But, it uh, you know, I think maybe one of the other things that we can discuss is just the thing that Toby touched on. I wanted to kind of talk about it just real quick. And not that it's bad. And Kenny, I know you touched on it too, but I don't know if it's bad luck or what, but Kyle Larson, mm. like, I don't know what's going on with his, his cars the last mm. two couple of races, but I mean. Yeah, he had three DNFs. He never had a DNF yep. in his career, and now he's had three in a row. I mean, Kenny, I do want to hear your comments on Kyle Larson, so please share them. But also, how do you feel about the race itself? I know I asked a lot of you, but if you can tell me. That would be great. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, first off, with Kyle Larson, the thing about him, I feel like now because of what happened to him at Kansas, I feel like that kind of just put a hole in his confidence and in that team. Because first off, that team this year was on a tear. When he got that win last year at Michigan, I said, okay, you know, maybe he'll be good next year. And then he went off and had a great season. He won at a short track. He won at a mile and a half. You know, he did what he had to do. He won at a two-mile track. He did what he had to do. But then what happened to him was a mechanical failure at Kansas. And then that, I guess that kind of has, you know, messed with the team's momentum. I think that's kind of similar to what happened with Joey Logano and his team in the spring at Richmond. Because it seemed like after that happened, I don't think they had a top 10 for the entire summer. Like, that's how bad it went for them. So... And also by his interview at the end of the race, 
it sounded like he was just ready to get the season over with, get Homestead done, yeah. go to Las Vegas and go home until February and do it all again next year. But the race itself at Texas, it just wasn't the greatest thing on earth. Texas has had some good races before, but I think like a lot of these bigger tracks like Texas, we just really have to wait till the surface continues to wear out. Once that surface comes alive, I say it'll be better. It's just like Atlanta. Atlanta has just gotten better and better with age. And even now, I'm glad they didn't repave it. So maybe Texas will continue to get better. And I mean, it is kind of shorter. So supposedly it's shorter. Not sure, but we'll see how Texas continues to pan out like for next year. I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of it personally. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you <laughs> have good it. To me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was so lame. <laughs> are we you know the thing is Renee I'm gonna be honest I feel like I'm off my game because we're not doing the show in the normal Um, order that we do it every week it was a thrill to have Toby on but I'm just a little like oh wait where are we in the show I mean Dale Jr. update okay so let's get into some Dale Jr. update here all righty not a whole lot going on, uh, obviously, Tam, Kenny, really honestly, just not a whole lot to talk about other than Dale Jr. retiring and every track he goes to, he gets just the most awesome gifts ever. Well, this past weekend in Texas, track president Eddie Gossage joined Jr.'s press conference while decked out all in his cowboy gear. I mean, Tam, this guy was cowboyed out from shirt to pants to the boots to everything. <laughs> he He comes in and literally like riding on a real horse. And the horse's name was Sarah Jessica Parker. And I'm not even going to go there because I'm not going to insult anybody. But that seriously, the name of the horse, Sarah Jessica Parker. But anyway, so he rides in on this horse. Not only is the horse for him, which is bizarre. I, who, who, who gets a horse? That's what or, I said. Or, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, ex- that's exactly what I said. As soon as I saw the video, I said, wait, they got this guy a horse. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that, I mean, it was just so bizarre. I'm like, okay. I mean, I know it's Texas, but it's like, I mean, just giving away a horse. I mean, now there, there was a point to everything because, uh, for part of Ern- Earnhardt's gift, uh, the track is donating a horse in his name to Victory Therapy Center, which is a, a therapeutic horse ranch that helps people with disabilities, veterans, and, um, other first responders. The other cute thing that they gave him, Tam, was, uh, this little, car kind of stroller i guess it is that you know he can carry the baby in uh or push the baby in because it's actually a car that you can push and it's really 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 cute so uh if you get a chance uh, you can go online and check that out other than that dale is just trying to be dale and just trying to finish off these last couple of races just uh, on a good note tam and uh really kind of just right off into the sunset you know feeling good about himself because let's be honest the whole entire year really hasn't been great well, sounds like there wasn't much going on with Dale. And yeah. I do know he didn't finish the race. Oh, no, actually, he did come back on the track. Did he yeah, come back? He, but for Dale Jr., he did actually manage to get himself back out there, even though he came home in P35, didn't really do well. And I believe it was a mechanical failure. And I guess the caution clock wasn't going to work for that incident. So he was able to get back out. But, you know, nothing really doing. But as for the gift, I'll say that wasn't the... That's one I've seen. It's cool, and it's a cool cause for it, no doubt. But I still think Talladega, hands down, got the best one. Oh, absolutely. You know what's even more stranger about this more than anything? And maybe I'm just looking at it from a Texas boy kind of view. But, like, as country as maybe Dale Jr. can be, like, he didn't even 
think twice about saying no when they asked him if he wanted to get on the horse and take a picture because he just he just didn't want to do it. And I don't know if he was scared, nervous or what, but I'm like, man, I'd have hopped up on that thing <laughs> like a wild in the eye. I mean, I was like, I, I mean, anytime I can get on a horse, which, and I've never really been on a horse like a lot in my lifetime, but. <laughs> now you're from Texas and haven't been on a horse. Right. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I haven't been on a horse a lot. I mean, I have been on a horse, but I just don't, it's not like I ride horses all the time. You know what I mean? I'm always in my car. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> but there are moments to, where I have ridden horses and, and they're a lot of fun. I mean, and uh, I would have had no problem jumping on that horse, but Dale Jr. didn't even want to get on the horse. Like he was scared. <laughs> I don't think he was scared. The thing about horses, they're, they're temperamental. You just never know. Like I remember taking a cruise to Mexico and the cruise, I think it's the first stop was Puerto Vallada someplace. I don't know. But I remember I got off and then I did an excursion, which the people picked us up from the port and took us all the way in the hills. And we got on the horses and the horse, first of all, it was windy and it was dirt every place. I mean, I had dirt in my underwear. I was trying to understand how did you get dirt in your underwear when you got on jeans? <laughs> mm -hmm. One of the horses, he wasn't feeling it that day and he threw one of the passengers off. Oh man, that's and then rough. they were super Ugh. dirty. That horse was like right up in the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, so, that's our Dale Jr. update. Okay, I got something I want to add to that. I okay. just a, a memory came back to me. Another time when I was in Mexico, this is funny. <laughs> Another time when I was in Mexico, I like to ride horses, but I don't actually like to gallop. I just like the horse to walk. He can't be doing too much. No, no running or any of that. I was in Cabo and the guy on the beach, I was like, yeah, where's your smallest horse? He says, oh, you want Mexican pony or Mexican donkey? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so you really think that I'm going to ride a donkey? Well, but I definitely was on. A, yeah, well, why do you have a donkey on the beach in Cabo? <laughs> But yeah, and then, you know, I think that's an answer we don't want to be this. answered. I, know, right? <laughs> I should post this, but I remember last year or year before last when I was in Dubai, I actually was on a camel in the desert. Oh, yeah. It that's, was pretty crazy. Yeah, because what was crazy about it is not that it's any. I mean, I've been on a camel a couple, a camel, a camel <laughs> a couple of times. But I actually was on a camel in Marrakesh in Morocco, and then I was on one in Dubai in the Middle East. Ironically, I remember now I'm thinking about it. I went to Doha, which is also in the Middle East. I don't remember seeing any camels, mm. but nonetheless, okay, okay, finishing the story. So I was on with some girls who I met. And the whole time, all they did was take selfies. I was like, I'm going to take a selfie. And the one great photo I have of myself, I have on a bright yellow sweater, taking a selfie with my yellow iPhone and somebody captured the photo. Okay. You guys may not find that interesting, but it is to me. Okay. <laughs> so go ahead. <laughs> well, speaking of interesting, let's talk about Danica Patrick. Oh, wow. <laughs> What's what next for Danica? Danica? I don't know. Somebody tell me. I do remember seeing an article that pretty much said that she is not ready to stop racing, but it's going to be what it's going to be. Do you guys think it's a wrap for Danica? I don't know, Kenny. I mean, for myself, I'm going to be honest with you. I may think it might be over maybe NASCAR wise, stock car racing, but I wouldn't be surprised if she wants to do like some other racing, maybe just not stock car racing. You know what I mean? But I don't think she's fully done. If she's even hinting that that racing fire is still burning, then 
I wouldn't be surprised if she still races, but just not stock car racing. Mm, yeah, I think I can agree with that one, Renee. I think that her NASCAR days might just be over, at least in Cup. If anything, Xfinity again. But I think it's just about done for her, unfortunately. I feel like she's had her time. It's not like she was running in back marker equipment or anything. She was running for Stuart Haas, had a good team and a good car. And it, I don't know, it just didn't pan out exactly the way everybody was hoping it panned out. Because I thought she might have done well, you know. Well, but- she's not. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Kenny, oh, but fine. she's definitely not going back to Xfinity because she already says she's not going to a lower level. I think uh-huh. it's kind of like the Matt Kenseth situation where mm-hmm. she's expecting that she's going to be in a top tier car. But mm. the reality is Eric Amarola is about to be in her car and there is no other top tier car. Because if there was, I would assume Matt Kenseth or cousin Carl, who is almost like a ghost at this point, yeah. would be <laughs> in it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think Matt Kenseth probably would be the beneficiary if Eric Amarola wasn't moving to the 10. He'd probably be the one you pick instead of Danica Patrick. But, you know, I think that also goes down to the dollars. And, you know, Eric Amarola is probably a ton cheaper than Danica Patrick and Matt Kenseth combined, you know. So I guess that's also a factor you want to throw in there. But Danica might do some one-off in IndyCar, maybe. Who knows? But I think it's about done. Maybe TV. (laughs) <laughs> maybe that's the next thing i don't you know what know. i a good contact of mine over at indycar said that it wasn't anything happening for mm. her in indycar that's interesting things could change but my source over there is is a good source yeah, so who knows i mean things could change and, and that was actually a few months ago when or maybe two months ago when the conversation came up so maybe things will change on that note, though, I do want to talk about Matt announcing that it's not happening at this point for him next year. I am so disappointed on so many levels. And I looked at a lot of the comments that bounced back and forth on Twitter saying that it was a sponsor situation. You know, maybe the sponsors are running him out. People, the youth movement. I just want to disagree with all that, to be honest. Yeah. I wonder if it's because it seems to me, I don't know about you two, but uh, doesn't it seem like there's more to the story than maybe what we're really looking at? I mean, I just don't understand Matt Kenseth not having a car next year. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's just odd. Obviously, for one, we're looking at a a champion for one from 2003 Mm -hmm. and it's not like he's not good. He almost advanced himself into the round of eight, had in a few things happen to him. He might have been being one of those guys contending for um the championship four, but it's going to be weird not to see him. And I actually, crazy enough, before all this happened, I got a chance to run into Matt at uh, Martinsville, got to see him and everything. I don't know. His face just looked like he was done. And it seemed like he had known that before he even announced it fully. But I think it still has something to do with the youth movement for one, because mm-hmm. obviously those drivers are going to be cheaper. Like Eric Jones is going to be substantially cheaper than Kenseth. And then on top of that, when the Carl Edwards thing happened, I think that kind of shifted a lot of things. For example, like Suarez moving up so quick yeah. and now having Jones move up so quickly. I think that kind of really shifted a lot of things in Joe Gibbs mm-hmm. and it kind of shake shook things up. And it kind of made things happen probably a lot earlier than we thought were going to happen because I thought Suarez was maybe going to get another year in Xfinity despite winning the championship and Jones maybe another year and then some part time here and there. And then eventually after Matt Kenseth will retire and Carl Edwards would, as we thought, would end up going out a champion possibly. But, you know, he left on his own terms. And 
I don't know. It's just I feel like that has a lot of effect on it as well, besides money and yeah. money and sponsorship. Right. Do you think the machine that is NASCAR is secretly driving this youth movement? Maybe they feel like, you know, younger drivers, new audience. I'm just throwing it out there because mm. let's keep in mind that NASCAR was having this entire push of trying to reach the Hispanic and African-American market that then turned into let's reach the Hispanic market that then turned into let's reach the kids. And then we saw these commercials, but then it went back to let's reach the Hispanic market. Like I know for a fact that there's a heavy Hispanic market push because a friend of mine is an ambassador, sort of speak for NASCAR. She was actually at the race in Texas and she is Latina and that is her whole world. And she pushes a lot of Latina initiatives. So mm. I don't know. It just seems like it's an interesting take our, though. I mean, hey, I call it for what it is. <laughs> you worked in the diversity department. I don't expect you to comment on it, but I will do all the commenting. Let's, you know, <laughs> I'm not, you know, what? I'm not even going to say anything because I don't want Kenny to feel <laughs> obligated to speak no, on no. it. So there's a state of confusion going on where nobody is quite clear on who to reach and how to reach them. I feel like some people don't even give a damn. Some of it could just be a front, like, okay, let's put yeah. it out there and pretend. But the reality is, is that the search for the audience is like, oh, we don't know <laughs> what to do. <laughs> yeah, it's going to constantly change like over the next few years. And mm -hmm. what we're looking at right now, obviously 2018 is coming up and you have 2018 and 2019. These two years are going to be huge for two reasons. First off, this youth movement that's currently in NASCAR right now, I don't think it's forced. I feel like it's just that time where we're having the guys retire. Like a lot of guys, I think there's only one guy left from 2001 that made the Daytona 500 start is still left. And I think that's Kurt Busch after the season. He'll be the last one that raced against um senior. And that's crazy to think about that and how far things have, how much things have changed for one. So I think the youth movement is a natural phase right now, but they're going to have to make a push for it because those are going to be the face of NASCAR soon to come. Like your Chase mm -hmm. Elliott, your Ryan Blaney, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Bubba Wallace, you name them. Those young guys are going to be very important. So I feel like, yeah, that has to continue, of course, but I don't think it's a completely forced thing, but they do have to enforce it. I feel it's important because... Those are going to be the guys yeah. I'm going to be paying attention I, 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 to gonna, as I I'm continue on moving along trying to cover this sport. So that's uh, kind of what I expect. Because I know sometimes people have their own philosophies of how things are happening or why they're happening. And maybe they think these older drivers are being forced to uh, retire or whatnot. And they maybe they feel like they're being forced. And I don't necessarily think that they're being forced out either. I just think that this is a natural movement of this sport going in a direction to a younger audience. And I think NASCAR sees that. And I think they're, they're just trying to hit the younger audience now because this is the best time to hit it, which I think them going to Monster. And I know me and Tam talked about this in one of our earlier episodes in the year when, when Monster first came on. That was a perfect sponsorship. I mean, uh, who knows and who has a better connection with Monster than the younger people that are drinking it? I don't know any older people that are drinking Monster. I mean, really? I think this is just a natural thing that NASCAR is going through. And I'm totally on board with it. I mean, it, it's just changing of the guard. It is what it is. Well, the guard has changed. Yeah. I'm not happy. 
I'm just old. So, so, and I so like Sam. the older drivers. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how else to say it. I just kind of feel like you need a mix. If, think like about it. the mm-hmm. NBA. Let's just yeah. keep it 100. If you took away LeBron, who has been in the league, what, 14 or 15 years? Mm-hmm. So take away yeah. LeBron. Take away... Not that anybody would really miss Carmella or Carmella. Car- I, will, Carmella. I, will, I will most dearly. Okay. I'm a huge well, OKC fan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I mean, you think about even with KD, for that matter, what it's been what? 10 years KD's been in yeah, the league? At least just, eight. Yeah, it's been, I think it's about 10. Yeah, it's 10 now. It's, it's crazy to think that. That's really crazy. But, yeah. you know, the youth movement is still there. Like, you know, you take out LeBron, yeah. I think the next person for him it's probably like someone like Giannis Antetokounmpo, like him. He's like one of those guys. So I guess it's like it transitions differently for the NBA because I know those guys are going to slowly get to that point. And I guess kind of with NASCAR, we kind of had it happen so rapidly. where We had Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, Daryl Jr. And now Matt Kenseth all leave out in less than a span of in less than 10 years. You know, that kind of, you know, yields that kind of response. OK, but here's my argument to that. Think about, or not even, I guess, an argument is not the correct terminology, (laughs) but putting my point out there. So think about the NBA with all those, without all those guys, where would we be? It definitely would be different, no doubt. But would you still watch is the question. Mm. And hear me out. Anthony Mm. Davis was the next big thing. What happened with Anthony? It was a buzz, then it fizzled. Yeah. Think about all the stars that have come through. I mean, even like I interviewed Ben, I remember talking to Ben Simmons right when he was coming in a league at a Gatorade event. I interviewed mm-hmm. him. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. And in fact, that was a funny situation because mm-hmm. I talked to Ben Simmons. I talked to Draymond Green, who is my man. I, I like <laughs> me some Draymond. Also talked to, you know what? I, I love me some JJ Watt, but I wasn't planning on interviewing him. He just sat in front of me and was like, so let's talk. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I didn't request to interview him. So when he sat down, I was like, okay, that's a true professional. Cause I was like, give me a moment. Cause I never run out of things to talk about, but <laughs> I just feel like with NASCAR, the changing of the guard is too fast. It's just moving too, okay, I can too see, fast. I can see and then you got to think about somebody like, okay, Renee and I over the weekend recorded a podcast for Valvoline. It's mm-hmm. called Dale Tales. I think we mentioned it before on the mm-hmm. show. Hopefully you guys will check it out when it's posted. We'll be sure to share. But one of the young ladies, and I will say young lady that we interviewed for our Dale Tale, she has been, I mean, she was a fan of Drew Homer. And then she became a fan of Dale Earnhardt Sr. And then she became a fan of Dale Jr. And then she said she was going to root for Alex Bowman next year. But saying all that to say, that's what, two, three generations of drivers? Yeah, it's crazy. And and dare we mention she had 10 Earnhardt tattoos. Her name is Lisa. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram. Search for NASCAR Girl. But we thoroughly enjoyed speaking with her and learning more about her story and what Dale Jr. meant to her. But ultimately, as we talked and the question came up, who was she going to root for? She, you know, said Alex, but it was based on because he was taking over the number 88. In reality, most older fans don't know who to root for because you grew up and, you know, you were a lifelong fan of, say, Tony Stewart. Who replaced Tony Stewart? Nobody. (laughs) 
There's yeah, not right. a single driver that can live up to Tony Stewart. No, no, not, no. And smoke, I'm not smoke saying smoke was smoke. <laughs> I think the, the perfect guy to try to slide in there no, 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 was no. Clint Boyer because, I mean, if anybody's going to come close to having somewhat of that, it would have been Boyer. So, I mean, that I understand. Because uh, don't get me wrong. If you don't think I don't miss Greg Biffle being on that track or Carl Edwards for crying out loud, you're crazy. Because, I mean, I okay. do believe that those guys, they still have a lot of racing left. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no, I know what you meant, but this, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Because it was Clint Boyer. He's been around. He's not a new kid that just got out of mm-hmm. the camping world series or K&S or Xfinity. He was somebody who was already established mm-hmm. and he had personality and he has bravado and he easily just slotted in to Tony Stewart. I mean, you know, again, Tony was not replaceable, but he was somebody who mm-hmm. had right. a little shine of his own and that veteran fans, aka old fans, <laughs> could <laughs> identify with. That's all that I'm saying. So now you're talking about yeah. Eric Jones is replacing Matt Kenseth. Yeah, I don't I don't identify Eric Jones just cut his beaver haircut. <laughs> As in Bieber, what's the guy name? Justin Bieber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, is it Bieber or Beaver? Whatever. Yeah, it's Bieber. I can oh. see where you're coming from, though, when it comes to, like, I guess the replacements and everything. Because for even for me, when I watched, when I started watching, I was a Jeff Burton fan all the way until he retired. And now, you know, he's on TV. That's cool and everything. But it took me a long time to even kind of. I guess you could say kind of root for somebody. I like the youth movement. Like Ryan Blaney, for example, I like the youth movement. Chase Elliott, those guys, right. I enjoy it. But it's like, I guess I see what you mean when it comes to the veteran fan base, where it's like they have to kind of find that next person to go to. And it's kind of hard to do that when there's that brand new fresh face that just came on the scene maybe like two or three years ago, and they haven't been able to spend as much time with them. And that's just my point. I just kind of feel it's like, okay, if you have a kid, do you have beers with your kid or do you want (laughs) your kid to know that you're the parent? I mean, you know, at a certain point, the ages cross, but it's like, okay, I, oh, this is a perfect example. SEMA show just happened and Ryan Blaney did his podcast live from the SEMA show, from SEMA with, he had actually had on Jesse who runs in the KNS series. And he obviously Kim Kuhn who hosts and they had somebody else on and the conversation like Blaney, he didn't know who Larry David was. And they were like, Seinfeld, like, how do you not know who Larry? Because the, <laughs> well, the whole conversation was he didn't know who what he had never no, I, seen I, Curb I, I, I Enthusiasm, the show. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, how do you not know? You know, it's, you guys get it. It's just that it's such a difference. Right. And again, like we're fans at home. We don't expect this guy to watch every television program that we watch. But dude, Seinfeld, Larry David, I didn't even watch Seinfeld other than I do watch it on a rerun sometimes. But I knew who Larry David was, (laughs) your enthusiasm. And then he had asked them about something and they didn't know. So it's just such a gap. So it's like, Mm, how do you identify? Now, granted, racing is racing and it doesn't have anything to do with your personal preferences, because if that's the case, I wouldn't probably like half of the NASCAR drivers. (laughs) Like as much as I love (laughs) Tony Stewart, I'll never (laughs) forgive or forget when he had the pig in the bed. I'm from California. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing about um, no pigs in the bed. <laughs> okay. You know what? We've been talking for 20, 30 minutes. So we're actually, we're not right. even going to do the fan comment of the week. This 
week because the fan comment of the week oh. this week was really Toby's <laughs> comment about us not understanding what a dark horse was. I'm still a little embarrassed about that, but okay. <laughs> so, what we are going to talk about before we close out the show, we're going to give our predictions in a bit, but I do want to talk about NBC's coverage and do you guys feel as if they're wearing us out with the overplayed stories. And I want to talk about Blaney doing the double because apparently he's interested in doing yeah, the double. Ahead. Kenny, I'll let you talk about that because I know you know about the double. Renee, not that you don't know, but I know Kenny knows. <laughs> I'm sure Renee knows about the double, of course. I know both of you do. <laughs> but if anybody out there doesn't know what the double is, on Memorial Day weekend, it's probably one of the biggest weekends in motorsports. You have the Monaco GP, you have the Indy 500, and then to finish the day off, you have a, a lengthy Coca-Cola 600. So what Blaney wants to do is he wants to try and do the 500 and also do the 600 in the same day, which is about a thousand miles driving at over 200 miles an hour, which is kind of crazy. Um, I know Matt Weaver broke the story out at Auto Week a few days ago talking about this. And I kind of found it interesting that someone still wants to do this. And I also think it's cool that someone his age wants to do this because the last person to do it was Kurt Busch. And he didn't fare out the best of the best. And I believe Robbie Gordon, out of all people, had the best attempt at this. I believe he came in six in the, he came in sixth place and then he came home in 35th at the Coke 600 the first time he tried it. Then he tried it once more, did eighth and 16th. And I think actually, no, Tony had the best. A six and a third place finish in the double. I think that's one of those things that we don't really hear too often. Somebody wants to try it out. It's a difficult feat, and I'd surely like to see him do it. I mean, I think it would be cool because I watch all three events on Memorial Day weekend. I don't know about you guys. Oh, I definitely watch all three. In fact, my goal, I my bucket list, it's a goal and a bucket list, I guess, bucket list <laughs> item is two things. One, I am definitely planning on going to Monaco maybe next year. That's, I no, mean, that's it's been nice. on my list for a long time. And then my other goal is to do the double. And I know you guys are saying, how is she going to do the double? But I know somebody who did do the double. He pretty much came to Indy and covered the race and then flew private jet to Charlotte and covered the race. And now, that's the con- interesting. I work with the connection that made it happen for him. And I put the bug in their ear that I would like to do it next year. But I'm small time compared to him, but <laughs> we'll see if it happens. But yeah, so that's my goal in life is to do the double and to also do Monaco. I was actually wondering if somebody could do all three. This year, I actually was in Indianapolis and Tony Stewart for the 500. Tony was there. Tony was there. One of the Wood Brothers were there and somebody mm-hmm. else were there. It was a few people that were there and then they left and went to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible so, to do all three in the same day, actually. I don't think so. Well, that's because what of, I was wondering. Because, because, of, the, because yeah. of the start times, I think that's what kind of shifted. If it wasn't for the start times and when it was, I guess there would be a possibility because at one point, the 500 wasn't always on Memorial Day. So it's kind of like, well, now the schedule is jam-packed Memorial Day. I think it's just virtually impossible now. Well, I feel like Monaco is possible if you have money and you have a private jet because the time difference, you can go to Monaco, then leave, and then come, you know, to Indianapolis, which is on 
they're a Midwestern time, but okay. then you lose an hour to go to yeah. Charlotte. So I don't know. I guess anything's possible. So That's yeah, uh, the, if Blaney did the double, that would be awesome. I've always said Blaney puts me in mind of a 1980s, 1990s F1 driver back in the days of Hunt and <laughs> Nicky Lauda. He just reminds me of that era of F1. And I granted, I know he's a NASCAR driver, but he just reminds me of a F1 driver. His swag, and I know people hate that word swag, but I'm going to say it again. His swag is just very much <laughs> Formula One, not necessarily NASCAR. Even if you watch the extra bounce in his step, how he puts his baseball cap on, even his haircut. He has a great head of hair. I know I've said that about 20 times on this podcast, but I like Ryan. I would like to see him in Formula One more so than do IndyCar. But yeah, if he does the double, I'm there for it. So it should be interesting. Okay. At this point, I don't even know if it's worth jumping into the NBC coverage story that I wanted to talk about. I saw it posted on the NASCAR Reddit board, fans were pretty much complaining about the way NBC was pretty much beating a dead horse in the head with the storylines. And people were pretty upset about the Otto Bowden situation because they don't really like the storyline. Like somebody likened it to, well, when you watch the NFL, they don't explain every single play as if you never watched the NFL game. So they right. felt that it's becoming repetitive. Like, guys, hey, I'm doing a lap and this is what happens. And can you explain to me why this is on the car? NASCAR fans, at least those on the NASCAR Reddit board, are upset because they're <laughs> like, why is it like elementary? Like you're learning a lesson each Sunday that you watch a race on NASCAR. So to tie that in and not to go on about it, it really goes back to what we talked about the youth movement earlier and attracting new fans. Maybe they're doing that because they're trying to get new fans to watch the sport. When I came into the sport, I learned everything just by watching and right, by... But it's, it's, you pick up on things so fast. <laughs> a, I mean, it's amazing how much you absorb when you're listening and you're watching and you're just kind of seeing everything kind of unfold as, as you're taking notice of of the sport itself. It's fantastic. But yeah. the argument is, is that the likelihood who's watching that's new. I got to agree with that because the way I learned, like you guys said, and the way you guys learn, you spend time around the sport. Eventually you're going to learn something. And I think that goes with any sport. You continuously learn. You Either you play the games and learn whatever you have to learn. You watch uh, more races. You know, you read books on it. There's books on racing, like specific books on NASCAR racing. But I guess the, argument with like a lot of reddit users and also people on twitter when it comes to the auto bolden segments i guess they feel a little dummy down for the broadcast for some reason i guess like you both said with the whole youth movement maybe that's a part of it but i don't think it's necessary to have somebody telling me this is what happens when we're in turn three at texas like i've been watching texas since i was a little kid i don't need the constant rundown every week of each Every single track, I can go out there and learn it on my own, you know? Understood. So I guess the verdict is nobody wants to hear that. You know what? Okay. <laughs> so let's just jump into some predictions. This is probably one of the longest episodes ever that we will ever post. There's a reason why we can <laughs> laugh that we've had some listeners and we're going to keep it 100. We've been okay. dealing with so many technical issues tonight today well we started in the daytime recording and finished that <laughs> night 
<laughs> so, that, so that'll let you know we doing a lot for you guys. I, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I hope you guys enjoy Kenny as well as Toby schooling us about dark horses because <laughs> it's been a wild one. So, and two, I just want to say I've been off my game this whole entire podcast because it didn't flow the way Renee and I usually flow. And that's yeah, no that, fault no of Kenny's or Toby's. Right. Just blame it on technology. I think we're like NASCAR fans. We don't like change. <laughs> yeah, we changed up things. So on that note, since we changed up things, I'm going to change up the way we do predictions. I'm going to go first. I'm going to give you guys the history lesson. Then I'm going to sit back and <laughs> let Kenny and Renee give you their predictions. It's time for Tim and Renee's Race Predictions. Okay, how it works is I give you guys a history lesson. So sit back and listen to your history lesson. (laughs) Okay, our past 10 winners at Phoenix, because we are racing in Phoenix this weekend, include Jimmy Johnson 2007, Jimmy Johnson 2008, Jimmy Johnson 2009, Carl Edwards, as in Cousin Carl, 2010. Casey Kane, 2011. I'm going to interrupt myself and say Casey Kane has a ride next year and Matt Kenseth doesn't. Okay. 2012, Kevin Harvick. 2013, Kevin Harvick. 2014, Kevin Harvick. 2015, Dale Jr. 2016, Joy Logano. Those are your past 10 winners at Phoenix for the November race. Because what I didn't tell you guys is that we raced twice, but you already know we raced twice in Phoenix, once in March and once in November. So what I just read off was our November winners at Phoenix. Some interesting patterns. And this will help you pick your pick for this week, hopefully, as well as your dark horse. Although I don't think we're ever going to pick a dark horse again in the history of all turns, no breaks. We're going to say our alternative pick. So Kevin Harvick is an eight-time winner, and that's in the Cup Series, and he's won one Xfinity race. Jimmy Johnson is a four-time winner in Phoenix in the Cup race. Hamlin, and now I'm just going to kind of read to you guys some of the playoff or the drivers that are still left in the playoff some of their stats at Phoenix. Denny Hamlin has won once in Phoenix and Logano has won one time in the Cup Series and two times in Xfinity and Ryan Blaney has actually won an Xfinity race at Phoenix. Well all that being said I'm going to give you my pick. I want to count Jimmy Johnson out. But you know what? Before I even give you my pick, since we're not doing the show in its usual format, I guess if we were, I wouldn't be picking anyway. But nonetheless, we have a guest. So I'm going to let Kenny tell you who his picks are and then Renee tell you his picks. And then I'm going to tell you whether or not I'm really going to count out Jimmy Johnson. All right. So with the current trend, and I know with Jimmy Johnson not doing so well, I still can't count that man out. I'm going to pick Jimmy Johnson. And I guess my alternative pick, since he's mm. the guy who's Boy, you know, Kenny, pretty comfortable uh, above the cut line at the moment, we have is a Brad Keselowski. Uh, Those are my two past. picks for Phoenix. We, maybe we come from the same planet, but you, your line of thinking is literally on the same level as mine. Because I definitely am not counting out Jimmy Johnson as long as that 48 is has a small opportunity of, of, of winning and still being in the top four. I'm going with Jimmy Johnson. I'm sticking with the 48 to win that race in Phoenix. Now, for an alternative pick, boy, 
Brad Keselowski is going to be the guy. <laughs> if, if the 48 don't take it, Brad Keselowski is your winner. Yeah, there you go. Great minds think alike. <laughs> okay, so now we have it. Jimmy and Kiss. I, on the other hand, I want to pick Jimmy so desperately. But I just, I don't know. And I know whoever wins is in. What if we have a first-time winner, as in somebody, well, not even a first-time winner, maybe somebody who's not in the playoffs will win. I don't mm-hmm. know. I feel like I want to go with Logano, crazy ass. I feel like he may block the hell out of everybody. <laughs> uh, da, 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 drum roll. What if Ryan Blaney wins? That was spicy. No, but I'm not picking him. Okay, yeah, you know let's what? Not, yeah, let's not even I go guess <laughs> he would really be the definition of a dark horse. Yeah. I'm not even going to argue that. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go with Brad Keselowski, and I'm going to go against my better judgment and count out Jimmy Johnson. No, I can't count this guy out. Well, there you I'm going to pick have it. Jimmy Johnson to win, and my alternative pick is going to be that guy, Brad Keselowski, I think. Okay, no, that's those are my picks, and I'm sticking to it. Renee? We always appreciate our good friend, Front Row Kenny, being on the show. And for our other guest, Toby, for coming on and, and hanging out with us today. Thank you guys for coming on and uh, for Tam and myself. Be kind to each other, guys, and we'll see you here next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 